Well, welcome to session two of the recovery course. And session two is entitled Out of Control. And it's, we're looking at the very first step of the 12-step program, and step one says this. We admitted we were powerless over our addiction, that our lives had become unmanageable. With that, I've put a verse that was written by St. Paul. It's in a letter that he wrote to the church in Rome. And he said this, I, can, I think all of us here can probably appreciate where St. Paul is coming from. He says this, I need something more. For I know the law, but I still can't keep it. And if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I go and do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. It's the nature of human beings to wear masks, to pretend to be something other than what we really are. We pretend that we are more successful than we really are. We pretend to have more money than we really have. We pretend to be tougher than we really are. And we may even pretend to be more spiritual than we really are. And all because we want to look more acceptable to the people around us. We don't want people to reject us, and so we work hard and invest a lot of time in concealing our flaws. Some of us are probably wearing masks here this evening. Probably most of us, actually. And that mask is called denial. Denial has been defined like this in a dictionary. An unconscious defense mechanism characterized by refusal to acknowledge painful realities, thoughts, or feelings. And it's all around us. There are two types of denial. The first is when a person sees, understands, and knows that they have a problem. And then when confronted about the problem, they deny it, even though they know that it's true. And this type of denial is just simply dishonesty or lying. The second type of denial is when a person appears blind to a problem that they have. Through numerous forms of self-deception, rationalization, justification, and excuse-making, the person can actually believe that they do not have a problem, even though everyone around them sees that it's obvious. Think about the following snippets of conversation. I think many of us have thought these kinds of things or said these kinds of things. I really don't drink that much. I mean, they drink much more than I do. He's got a really big cocaine problem. I just do it socially. Pornography is normal. After all, most people look at it. Can we stop discussing this? Talking about it only makes it worse. Let's just pretend that it didn't really happen. If you didn't nag me so much, I wouldn't feel the need to use quite so much. 
Members of my family have always had a problem with their metabolism. We can't do anything about being overweight. I don't understand why I'm so fat. I don't eat anything. I have a tough job. It's pretty stressful. Few drinks help me to relax. It doesn't mean that I have a problem. In fact, it's probably better for me. I mean, you wouldn't want me having a heart attack, would you? And then, of course, the classic one, which I, I'm pretty certain every single one of us will have said at some point or another, I can stop if I really want to. I don't know if you recognize comments like that. Well, they are classic denial. And the first step in getting on top of our addictions and finding freedom is to face up to and admit our denial. In the Old Testament, there's a prophet called Jeremiah who wrote this book, and in it, God says this, my people are broken, shattered, and they put on plasters saying, it's not so bad, you'll be just fine. But things are not just fine. Step one of the 12-step program says this, let me remind you, we admitted we were powerless over our addiction, that our lives had become unmanageable. Now, what does this actually mean? Let's unpack this first step. Now, there's a wealth of meaning in just that first word, we. The world of addiction is very private and secretive. We do not want anyone to know anything about the things that we find ourselves driven to. And we often fear that we are the only people in our own small world who do these things that, that are often inexplicable and shameful to us. And we go out of our way to hide our problem from others and we try and hide it from ourselves by attempting to explain it away. And we end up believing that nobody else could possibly understand our behavior and that almost always that prevents us from seeking help. And for most of us, it actually comes as a massive relief to come to a place like this, see all of you sitting here, and find out that we are not alone. That there are many people around us who understand the destructive way in which we are going about our life, because they too have walked the road that we are currently walking. One of our biggest fears participating on a course like this is the apprehension uh, that we have about sharing so much personal stuff, much of which we may feel deeply ashamed about. In his book, Sex God, Rob Bell wrote this. You're not alone. Whatever you struggle with, whatever you have questions about, you're not alone. Doesn't matter how dark it is, or how much shame, or weakness, or regret it involves, you are not alone. We have cravings, and desires, and urges, and temptations that can easily consume us and make us feel helpless in their presence. And some of the most comforting words in the universe are, me too. That moment when you find out that your struggle is also someone else's struggle, you're not alone, and others have been down the same road. The second word in step one is admitted. 
To admit that we are powerless over anything, and especially an addiction that we may find shameful, is the last thing that most of us want to do. We don't even want to admit it to ourselves, let alone others, and we console ourselves with soothing thoughts and various delusions such as, I could easily stop for a while. And until we look honestly at the realities of our addiction, we will not see the chaos and havoc that our lives now largely consist of. Until we acknowledge these realities, we will do nothing about them. While driving, we occasionally come across a house where the owners have grown a huge hedge between, uh, at the end of their garden between the house and the busy road in order to gain some kind of privacy. Now, from the living room of the house, the unsightly chaos of life on the other side of the hedge is screened off. The owners can no longer see the road, still there, but thanks to the barrier, they can pretend that it isn't. And the regrettable truth is that most of us put on a mask or construct a barrier to hide the actuality of our addiction from ourselves as well as from others. The ugliness, though, is still there, and we know it is. In the Old Testament, the book of Proverbs puts it bluntly. It says this, There's a way of life that looks harmless enough. Look again. It leads straight to hell. Sure, those people appear to be having a good time, but all that laughter will end in heartbreak. Modern medicine has identified numerous diseases that may be genetic, and therefore we may inherit a susceptibility to them. Heart disease, cancer, diabetes, Alzheimer's disease, multiple sclerosis, Tourette's syndrome, cystic fibrosis, and arthritis, for instance, just to name a few, can all be inherited. So, for instance, if my father had cystic fibrosis and then I suffer with cystic fibrosis, should I be ashamed? Of course not. Medical evidence is also growing for the link between susceptibility to addiction and genetics. So where is the shame in being an addict if it's something that we have inherited? It's the way that we are wired. <clears throat> However, as we shall see later on this course, while we may have been born with a genetic predisposition to become addicted, we also have free choice as to whether or not we will continue to satisfy our addiction. Our genes are often blamed for our addiction, but they do not absolve us from accountability for our actions. The bottom line is that our addictions do permeate every aspect of our lives and, in turn, our lives eventually become unmanageable. Denial can have a negative impact uh, on our lives in five different ways. The first one is this. Denial separates us from God, our higher power. The story of Adam and Eve, which is found at the very beginning of the Bible in a book called Genesis, is a tale of how sin and denial separate us from an inter intimate relationship with God. 
In Genesis chapter 3, the story tells us how Adam and Eve hid from God because they realized that they were naked and subsequently filled with shame. And it goes like the passage goes like this. The serpent was clever. The serpent is, a, is an image for the devil, who's portrayed as a snake. The serpent was clever, more clever than any wild animal. He spoke to the woman. Do I understand that God told you not to eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, not at all. We can eat from the trees in the garden. It's only about the tree in the middle of the garden that God said, don't eat from it. Don't even touch it or you'll die. Serpent told the woman, you won't die. God knows that the moment you eat from that tree, you'll see what's really going on. You'll be just like God, knowing everything, ranging all the way from good to evil. When the woman saw that the tree looked like good eating and realized what she would get out of it, she'd know everything. She took and ate the fruit and then gave some to her husband and he ate. And immediately the two of them did see what's really going on and they saw themselves naked. And they sewed fig leaves together as makeshift clothes for themselves. When they heard the sound of God strolling in the garden in the evening breeze, the man and his wife hid in the trees of the garden. They hid from God and God called to the man, where are you? He said, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid. And God said, who told you you were naked? Did you eat from that tree I told you not to eat from? Now, of course, like most of us, Adam tried to justify his behavior by not taking responsibility for his actions. He'd been caught out, and what's his response? First of all, he tried to blame God. The woman you gave me as a companion. And then he tries to accuse his wife Eve as well. She gave me fruit from the tree. It's never us, is it? We mess up our lives and it's always someone else's fault, never mine. And we will never begin to grow into the person that we are intended to be until we begin walking in truth. Once we begin walking in truth, we find that nothing in our life is ultimately wasted. As we travel this new path, we will find that God can and does use our experiences of pain and darkness for good. But he can only begin to use it as we step out of the darkness of our denial and into the light of his truth. Secondly, the story in Genesis not only tells us that denial separates us from God, but also from one another. This has been the story of humanity ever since those first days. Separated from the God who loves us and struggling in our relationships with one another. Denial tells me I'm getting away with it, that I'm not really harming myself or others. But, on the other hand, I'm living a lie and I dare not reveal my true self for fear of what others would think or say if they knew the real me. And we end up protecting our secrets by isolating ourselves from others so as to minimize the risk of exposure and, the, and of course the rejection that we're convinced will follow. But this is often 
at the cost of one of our most treasured possessions, our most important and special relationships. And the solution is the, really is St. Paul's advice in his letter to the Ephesians, where he says, no more lies, no more pretense. Tell your neighbor the truth. In Christ's body, we're all connected to each other after all. Listen to this, he says, when you lie to others, you end up lying to yourself. Third, in denial, we lose our true freedom. It is only when we begin to see ourselves as we really are, and don't try and pretend that we are something other than what we are, that we will begin to find freedom. The Apostle Peter, he writes in his second letter, he says this, they promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity. For a person is a slave to whatever has mastered them. And the basic test of freedom is not what am I free to do, but what am I free not to do? Am I free not to look at internet porn? Am I free not to snort that line of coke? Am I free not to take that drink? Am I free not to place that bet? Am I free not to use that heroin? For me, I only found real freedom when I found Jesus because it is through him that I actually have found the power to begin stepping out of denial. Again, as St. Paul writes in a letter that he wrote to the Galatians, he says this, Christ has set us free to live a free life. So take your stand. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. Fourth, a side effect of denial is we become increasingly anxious. When we worry about the past and are anxious about the future, we are unable to live freely in the present. Someone once described an addict as someone with one foot in the past and one foot in the future who is pissing on the present. Our fears and worries ultimately restrict everything that we do, and one of the most effective ways we can be free of them is to turn them over to God. As we begin to depend more and more on God, our higher power, we will begin to see truth and reality rather than the lies and the fantasies that we have become used to. Fifth and finally, denial doesn't reduce the pain we are feeling, but actually makes it worse. We have the false belief that pretending to be something other than what we truly are protects us from pain, and it doesn't. The reality is, denial makes things far worse. Why? Because it allows shame and guilt to begin entering the equation. The truth may hurt initially, but in the short term, it also begins to heal us. Taking off the mask can be hard. And a small voice in your head may well be shouting to you at this very point, don't do it. You get really badly hurt. That is a lie. 
No one gets badly hurt by taking off the mask and sharing the truth about themselves. As addicts, we have a faulty core belief that says three things. The first one is this, I am basically a bad, unworthy person. Secondly, no one would love me as I am. And the third one is my needs will never going, are never going to be met if I have to depend on others. This course can fundamentally alter our addictive mental map. Recovering persons who use the 12-step program will ultimately be able to say to themselves, one, I am basically a good and worthwhile person. Two, I am loved and accepted by people who know me as I am. And thirdly, my needs can be met by others if I simply let them know what I need. One of the reasons that we can have hope that our lives can be transformed is because we have a God who cares for us and loves us as we are, not what we might become, as we are here and now, and he has the power to change us if we would like him to. Jesus tells us, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. And he goes on with this line, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Virtually all of us on this course have very low self-esteem, even self-hatred. We have an acute sense of just how bad or pathetic we are. Would you want to know the truth? Let me tell you. Walt Whitman, one of America's most influential poets, he lived in the 19th century, discovered this, and it's true of all of this. He wrote these words. I am larger, better than I thought. I did not know I held so much goodness. And that is true of every single one of us here. We are inherently good people. Let me encourage you. Step out of this life-crushing darkness that's denial and step into the light and life-giving truth of God because the minute you begin to have the courage to take that step and take off that mask, your healing will begin and you will get your life back.